Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge List and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming, with your host, Shannon Holiday, and me, Letitia Thomas. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge List and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things TV, film and streaming. I am your host, Shannon Holiday, and I am joined with a special guest. I have got my housemate, Ben Grimes, this week. How are we doing, Ben? Yeah, very well. I'm, I am glad you said my name, actually, because I was expecting you to leave it at just my housemate. I know I've left um, it a mystery for a couple episodes now who you are. Yeah, I've got to be, I've got to be honest, like I... At the start, I was listening to a lot of episodes. I have dropped off my following of the podcast <laughs> in more recent times, which you are more than aware of. Um, I know. I asked you on a previous week. You said to me, you're like, oh, I've, I've been running out of podcasts. I, I was about <laughs> to bring that up because that was really that was a really funny moment where I, I, was, I was about to go into a story of a particular podcast that I'd picked back up and made the mistake of deciding to start my sentence with I'd run out of podcasts to listen to. And Shannon goes, oh, are you up to date on my podcast then? I did the most leading question I've ever done in my life and you just went, oh, no. Uh, (laughs) No, to be be, I can't lie because if I say yes – you could very easily. Ugly. Ask oh, how, how was the episode with Lost? This episode, no idea, <laughs> no idea, no idea. Because no I haven't heard it. No, um, I do want to say a special kind of announcement before we kind of get into things. I want to say thank you for coming back and listening to us after a two-week uh, stint where we didn't kind of record. There are reasons why it didn't happen for the past two weeks. So the week that me and you Ben planned to do an episode, which is this episode in particular. Um, I ended up getting a little bit sick towards the end of the week. I was coughing my lungs up like something else. You can definitely attest to that. And we probably agreed that it was best to delay it a week. What was my excuse? I feel like I uh, you were excuse. very busy with. What, I think it was the grand one of the grand final weeks or something lead up oh, to AFL it. AFL grand final. Yeah, you had yeah. a lot of media coverage yeah. to do, so but it didn't just, work for I us. I suppose on the the topic of the episode and part of the reason why. Um, I thought it, it'd be interesting to do documentaries for anyone who doesn't know. Like there'll be a few people listening who obviously know me personally, but for anyone who doesn't know, like I work in media and videography um, for AFL, uh, the AFL here in Queensland. So I do a lot of like sports and media content. And I think that came from an interest in documentary type film as well, because I definitely, in my style of work, I definitely lead to sort of capturing that um, documentary style behind the scenes, like what's mm. what's happening. That fly, like fly on the wall type content yeah. is definitely what I lean towards. So documentaries have always um, interested me, and I've always, you know, especially topics of interest for me. I've always like loved documentary type stuff. Yeah, yeah, because we had the conversation for a couple of weeks when we were deciding on your episode. Because before Tish went away, we kind of went, yeah, if you're cool to do one, we'll get you to do one while she's away. And we were just thinking for a couple of weeks in a row, we're like, what what would be a good topic for you to do as a special guest? And yeah, it took us a couple of weeks. We finally landed on documentaries. And then when we actually kind of agreed to do documentaries, we're like, this is a no-brainer for you. Yeah. Like the amount of kind of 
ones that I know you've watched in particular at home here um, and ones that you've gotten me into as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just makes it makes sense that we kind of chose that as a topic for today. Well, that's it. Like, I'm sure we'll we'll go into discussing some of that, but there's been quite a few. I'd say more often than not when, you know, Shannon has come home and I've been watching something, like mm. chances are there's been a lot of times it's been a Louis Theroux documentary. Yeah, yeah I was about to say so, it's usually yeah. one of those. And the thing is, and I'll be coming home from somewhere or work or something and you'll be halfway through a nap and I'll actually sit down and watch the rest of it because I find them quite interesting. Yeah, I, I love um, I love his style of documentary yeah. uh, filmmaking and there's another, um, there's a New Zealand um, like journalist filmmaker called David Farrier who mm-hmm. they, they sort of, they called him the Louis Theroux of New Zealand yeah, okay. and he did a Netflix series called... Um, Oh, the name escapes me. Uh, Dark Tourist. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that one. I, I've I watched every episode at least twice. Mm. I, I loved that. It's a short. It's like eight to ten episodes. They never did a second series. Like mm. he sort of talked about it because I I started following a little bit of his um, podcast work actually after mm. the fact, um, and I just loved it. Like it was really interesting. So the topic of it was dark tourism. It's these people that go to on holiday destinations to places that are a bit like dark, you know, they want to do like a murder tour Mm -hmm. or um, like there was a particular episode of people that go to take tours to learn about like the Fukushima disaster and all this crap or Chernobyl, like all this crazy dark stuff. And it was really interesting because his personality is very much like Louis Mm. in the fact that he's, uh, I don't know whether you'd say, like an awkward character. Yeah. Um, like he's he's very easily liked. Mm. Um, he he's not he's not offensive in any way whatsoever. That's what Louis does so well is is he doesn't perceive judgment in any way for who he's interviewing, and he comes across as someone who they can allow themselves to be vulnerable and be themselves too when they're having that conversation. Yeah, that's it. It's that like approachability of mm. their their character and personality, but the undertones to the audience of the I am judging you for this, <laughs> the, the little the little the le- It's the leading questions, I think. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's and <laughs> that's what I love about it. And David Farrier does a very similar thing or like he's put in a, in a situation where he's quite obviously uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like that funny, well, I'm here now and I, this is kind of, what I signed up for, so oh, okay, I guess. Let's go yeah, I guess we're doing it. that. This is <laughs> yeah, weird, but yeah. yeah, it's it's fantastic. So okay, well, I guess we'll get into that a lot more depth once we get to the main topic of the documentaries. Um, what we usually do at the top of an episode is go through like what we've been watching in the past like week or two. Essentially, well, I've got about two three weeks worth of things I could talk about. Um, and just go through them, kind of give a bit of a snapshot judgment if it's worth watching or not and go from there. I think um, what's worked out really well in our favour is obviously living together. There's quite a few movies that have uh, sort of been on the yeah. TV recently that I don't, like I wouldn't have watched on my own. And I, especially more recently, I don't actually watch a huge amount of um, media Um but because they've been on, I've sat and, and had a watch. So we've both sort of yeah. got these opinions of the same 
the same films that we've watched recently just yeah. because we live together. This is good because we've got, we got a couple of movies that we've definitely just sat and watched. And there's a few of them where I, I think it was like either you decided on one of them just to put it on. I was like, yeah, I'm here or vice versa. I'm here, I'm putting it on. You were just yes. like, I'll watch yeah. it as well, which is good. Um, I think the first one we'll probably talk about um, as we both have basically watched the entire thing is we watched the One Piece Netflix series um, that dropped about a month, month or a half ago. Um, starring, I can let's see how I go with names, Ben. Uh, yeah, Inaki Godoy, Emily Rudd, Mac and you, Jacob Romero Gibson, Taz Skyler, Vincent Regan, Jeff Ward, and Morgan Davies. I, I think as that list went on, the names got a little bit easier. Um, the first like, one's the hard one. Yeah, you do have a, a pretty poor track record with I'm pronunciation. Horrible. So. I, what I need to do is before I get onto an episode, is go to a YouTube interview with these people and see how it's pronounced properly and then get back knowing you knowing you though you'd find one where it'd be pronounced wrong wrong yeah (laughs) i'd be like no the youtube said it then you'd be saying it with absolute (laughs) full confidence that you know i do it anyway usually yeah Yeah. um so we'll go back to one piece um so this is the live action adaptation of the manga and the anime that has come before it it's a thousand plus episodes i'm pretty sure the manga goes for like 300 books or something now I thoroughly enjoyed this adaptation. I hadn't really watched the anime much before it or read the manga before it, but I want to now. Um, I just thought it was really, really cool and like the adventure style setting. Netflix really backed it with a lot of money. You could tell there's a lot of production value in it and the acting was really good, uh, especially from the main cast member who played, um, you know, was it Monkey D. Luffy? Yeah. Good yeah. old Luffy. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, I was in a similar sort of boat um, yep. and you've actually probably watched more anime than I have. Mm. I, I put my watch list of anime at close to zero. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, this is one of those examples of something that I don't think I would have bothered mm. giving a go if it wasn't for the fact that you'd put the first episode on and I was sat around and I just thought, mm. yeah, I'll check it out. And really, yeah, really liked it. Yeah. And I don't know... Maybe somebody who's watched the anime and, and absolutely loves it would have a, a different... It seems to be getting really good yeah, reviews, it is. Yeah. even from people that are big fans of the anime series. But I think it also probably helped us, the fact that we hadn't really yeah. seen it, because um, live-action adaptations are always a bit... Yeah, well, if you look at Cowboy Bebop and your Death Notes and stuff, that has got nothing but strong negative reviews on the live action portrayals of those. Um, we tried to kind of, wa- we've been slowly watching the anime at the same time as watching the show. I, I've been watching an odd episode of the anime just to see how it compares. Cause I like to have that kind of go, Oh, where did this come from? What's that original scene look like? And it holds up pretty well. Like it's really close to the anime. Like they've definitely taken liberties to make the, the show, the live action flow better for a live actual action version of it. But overall, yeah, it's I, pretty close. I think it's one of those things as well where obviously um, the cost of producing a live-action show is so much greater mm. um, than an animated series. So it, it, it's kind of an impossibility for them to go episode by episode. And if they're planning on covering the entire story... Uh, I read somewhere they the producers or the makers of it want to do 12 seasons. Yeah, wow. On okay. Netflix. Wow. 
With similar sort of episode count. Yeah, for about 10. Season. 10 yeah, or okay. 8, yeah. Well, it's still, you know, you that's can do still it. absolutely nothing compared to the amount of episodes of the anime. It's up to 1,000. Yeah. It's, it's 1,000 episodes anime, 22 minute episodes. That's, that's actually something that I think now puts me off starting the anime. Yeah. Because I, I, I would like to be able to see and Where it goes, yeah. To it. Um, but I just, I think that's, for someone who watches stuff as often as I do, mm. to me, it's, I'm never going to get through all that. Yeah, I'm only up to episode eight or nine out of the anime. Yeah. And there's a thousand. Well, I think, I think you're, with some things, your watch style does tend to bounce between different things, except for apparently when it comes to Lost or The Simpsons. <laughs> and what style's that, Ben? That's just throw it on. If the TV's not on, then the TV should have Simpsons or Lost on. That is correct. That is correct. You have had to sit through a season and a half of Lost in about a week and a half. You, you say sit, maybe two you weeks. Say sit through. I think I sat through the first. What was it? Five episodes. Yeah, four five or, or five six. episodes. Yeah. Um, and since then, it's just been on while I've been nearby Uh, Mm. and I have sort of you know I've been watching little segments here and there and then there are definitely moments where you're I'm like this is a key part you probably should watch this you're strongly hinting to me Ben Ben watch this bit yeah Yeah. it's so good yeah (laughs) and you're like yeah yeah okay just just watch it the the gravity is lost on me because (laughs) I've lost because I haven't been actively paying attention to the last 10 uh, episodes. Look, for me, for those two particular shows, and I I feel like everyone's got a version of this for their own, is it's my comfort shows mm. where you know the outcome, you know what happens to everyone, you know every minute of it, you know every quote of it. So you can sit down and I guess if you're having a bad day with like stress or anxiety – the comfort shows work because you actually, you know exactly what the outcome is going to be. It kind of helps relax me to a degree, if that makes sense. Well, that's it. You don't have the, I suppose, the pressure, if you could call it that, yeah. of paying attention yeah, to, to know that too. You've already seen it, but it's something that you enjoy. Like you're comfortable watching it again. Yeah. You get that same sort of entertainment value out of it without the pressure of, mm. I need to pay attention because I need to know what's going to happen next. Like you could get up and, you know, you could have it oh, on while you're making food or yeah. something like that. Well, that's just... Simpsons for me. I'll be in the kitchen, but I'll hear a quote and I'll still laugh oh, and I'm not even watching it. Like it's in the background. I know. You, you <laughs> quote things before they even happen. I'm not even in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think we will move on now. Um, do you want to talk about one of the things you've been watching this week? Yeah. So um, I suppose... Well, it, it, there's a couple of things that I think I can put on the list that haven't sort of already been added. Um, one that we both watched the other night was Hacksaw Ridge. And I forgot to add that, yeah. Yeah, that was one, um, like you were saying before, that, you know, I don't like. I don't think you would have put it on. It, it could have been ages before. Mm. I think you said it was like you would have – it was on your watch list. It was in my of. Netflix yeah. – you know, my list thing where yeah. you kind of add a movie and you'll get back to it later, but it's been in there for months. Yeah, if you ever get back <laughs> yeah, to it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it was one that I remember really enjoying when I first watched it. And I think I've only seen it. I think I've, I only saw it that first time. I yeah. think I put it on just in the background another time, didn't get through it, got taken away and thought, no, I want to, I want to sit through this again and I want to want to yeah. watch the whole thing. And then 
um, you said, yeah, I'll check it out. Like, I don't know whether I'll, you know, sit through the whole thing. And, yeah, and then, but I yeah. literally sat there the entire time. I was engrossed. I was yeah. into it. It was phenomenal. It's such a good film and it really makes you think of what is the point of war. Yeah, it's really drives that home, doesn't it? Especially, especially at the end, it's one of those movies that at the start it it sort of borders on slow burn, um, yeah. And then once you get to the actual action part, it's yeah. it's really quite hard hitting. Um, yeah, especially knowing that it is like rel- quite uh, like obviously the battle scenes have got you know they've taken liberties yeah. with the, the action involved there, but the reality is that pretty much happened this the way that it's shown. This is what happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the reason why it works so well is because it does spend about that hour, hour 20, building up the relationship with the main character, played yeah. by Andrew Garfield. Um, he obviously shows his home life, everything that he stands for, but it also shows what he went through to get himself into the battlefield as well and what drove him to get there. And also the people that he was there to protect. Like you build up a relationship with the other soldiers as well because you've got time on screen with them. And when it gets to the battlefield, uh, you feel, you know, a connection to all these characters on screen. So it is quite hard hitting when certain things happen. And and there's that, you know, the emotional value in, you know, his, his character sticking with, um, the process of, of getting through that selection and yeah. the training and all that sort of stuff. I do, I, I suppose not selection, but the yeah, the, just that process of getting battle ready. And I guess for know, anyone not who hasn't seen it, he's a he's a pacifist. Yeah, he won't pick up a gun, but he wanted to enlist because he felt like he could definitely help serve his country in different ways. So he wants to be a medic. Yeah. So obviously the all the guys that are already there in this squad and the, the captains are having a really negative reaction to this and taking it as a, a bit of a, like, is this a joke? Yeah. Um, you need to get out of here. Like they try and kick him out, to, put, put him in jail. Yeah, yeah. that's it. They, they try everything to get rid of him and he just absolutely sticks to his morals and sticks mm. to um, to what he wants to achieve. And he, he gets there and yeah. ends up saving so many lives. Yeah that they all sort of have this emotional turning point where they're like, I'm sorry, like you are one of the bravest men I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Uh, the way the film ends, it kind of says how many people he saves. I think it was like 75, 75, 75 yeah. soldiers from the battlefield. And it showcases, it shows a little bit of an interview of the real real soldier that it, that he was portraying and kind of just has a little segment there. And yeah, just the fact that it, he he is what he was and he was a brave soldier. Yeah, it's crazy. And I I love um that those style like the sort of true story based off a true story yeah. films as well, which like I don't know whether they're not all technically docudramas like that. No, sort of, but it's but it's grounded. Take inspiration. Yeah, yeah. The, it always feels very grounded. Yeah. I I think more recently there are some that I think take events that did happen and then just turn it into a Hollywood blockbuster that's actually yeah. nothing like. There's a few of those. And there was another war film that I think was was recently. 1917. Was no, stylized, fantastic style. Oh, that one. Yeah, I love I love that movie, and I also love um, like Fury. Dunkirk and Fury as yeah. well in terms of war Dunkirk's films. really good. Um, no, it was another one that was a bit more Hollywood action. I think it was 
covered the events of the attack of Pearl Harbor. I mean, was it Pearl Harbor? Because mm. apparently that was really Hollywoodized as well. And I have seen uh, Pearl Harbor, but that's from like 2001, I think. That's quite an old film. It's got um, Ben no, Affleck it was in definitely it. more recent than that. Um, like, I'll have a look and see if yeah. I can find it, but... We'll look into that. Um, I'll talk about the next film that I ended up watching last week. Um, this is the one where I told you, I'm like, yeah, I'm hanging out with some old friends from my previous work. We're going to watch this absolute D-grade vampire film. Because one of my mates was like, oh, um, it's got Danny Trejo in it. Let's just buy it from Amazon and watch it. And it turned up. It's called Vamp Father. Yeah, you and did tell me a little bit about this one. <laughs> it's uh, it's got yeah, Danny Trejo, Alex Villarette, and it's got Tom Sizemore, and it's directed and written by a guy called Stuart Paul. Now he's known for these absolutely just chaotic D grade films, and this is absolutely on par with probably one of the worst films I have ever seen in my life. Um, because not only was it not really about vampires, it doesn't really have any type of continuity whatsoever. It felt like a uni project movie, and Danny Trejo is, like, he's promoted in the marketing basically on the cover of anywhere else you see this film, like in the little YouTube trailer. He's only in the film for 10 minutes at the start and his character ends up dying. And then the rest of the film is this other character who's one of his daughters who turns up to this like vampire kind of killing party. They all kill themselves because they can't see themselves going on with... There's a lot of things happening in this film. Anyway, she turns up late and then it's about her life back in LA. It's, she's like, oh, I, I survived the killing and goes back and it's just her mundane life between choosing between being a vampire and being a human and then a very relatable i mean like uh, yeah i get up every day and it's like that sometimes and is it is it is it more so seeing the sunlight side um, of it for you though? yeah i sparkle though so yeah <laughs> more like twilight yeah and it, it just goes for like i think it's like an hour and a half and i was constantly asking myself but why is it called vampire vamp father like why <laughs> It, was, it just makes no sense. Yeah, I, I, I got a lot of this feedback. Um, I think I turned up home mm-hmm. and you'd come back from this viewing yeah. and told me a little bit about um, what the film was about and, and what <laughs> and happened. It makes no sense. And I showed you the trailer I, I as well. sit there listening to this. I, I saw the trailer. It did look like a... I, w- I don't even know whether I'd say uni good film. uni project film. Yeah. Um, but I do remember thinking, I can't believe somebody paid to get access to this movie. I, yeah, I think it was you'd distributed. Have to, you'd have to pay me for my time. I think, I think Danny Trejo filmed his scenes in his own house. I think they were like, yeah, all right, you can use me, but I ain't going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just put like, he sits in like a chair, like for the whole, the whole scene he's in and he just, it's at the bottom of the stairs. I think it's just in his house. Yeah. I, I, look, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think it is the only thing in that movie that I think would draw anyone to it. That's why they probably got him because yeah. otherwise it's not going anywhere. And you have to. Like if, if you go to someone like him and you go, okay, this is this is this what's going to make us. It's not going to be great. Yeah. It's, what, it's what's going to draw attention to this movie. And he goes, yeah, but I'm not leaving my home. You just go, okay, we'll work with it. You'll go, okay, we'll make that work. Yeah, we can make that we'll happen. Just, we'll put some things in your house that look vampire, vampire-ish and that's it. He goes, I don't care. 
I don't care what you do. I, I don't care what I'm you do. I'm not moving. I'm getting I'm my paycheck my and I'm staying here. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I did enjoy it because it was so bad that we actually had a really good time watching it. It was one of those films. Like it was but ludicrous. You, I, but you wouldn't have enjoyed it if watching was, it on your own. No, God, no. That would have been a, a nightmare, a pure, yeah. a pure nightmare. Um, yeah, so that was Vamp Father. Now, I think before we go into maybe your solo film that you've watched this week by yourself that I haven't seen, we'll talk about one that we've both at least seen yep. together. Um, so I sat down after I think I got back from watching Vamp Father and I was like, no, I need to watch something that's, I don't know, slightly better, <laughs> just anything. I mean, look, you didn't go too far. I didn't really like, no, I didn't want to, you know, shock myself with you. <laughs> Hollywood's greatest. So I ended up putting on 65. Uh, that is the movie that came out this year, 2023, starring Adam Driver and Ariana Greenblatt. And you came home, I think, five, ten minutes after I put it on, so I kind of just went ran through what you'd missed at the start. and Which wasn't much. It was essentially Adam Driver was on an expedition because they live in a different galaxy and his daughter was getting quite sick, so he went on an expedition to try and find some resources to try and help her essentially gets better. And when they were on this expedition, they go for this massive asteroid kind of belt and the spaceship gets crashed and it crash lands on this planet. And that's when the title pops up and just says 65 and then it says 65 million years ago on and then it says Earth. So they're from an advanced civilization, but from 65 million years ago. And as they travel through space, they land on a prehistoric earth and when they crash all the other people that are on board they're in like those little nap pods as they're traveling through space and the only people who survive are him he's the pilot essentially and ariana's character who's one of the the daughter of like two other people and they all die so he saves her although she speaks a different language to him so there's a lot of communication barriers between the two and that's essentially the story. They've got to find the other part of the spaceship and get off the planet. Yeah, to put it to put it short, it was basically just a way of going future tech versus dinosaurs yeah. and then throw a bit of character communication drama in there. That's it. That's yeah. literally the film. Yeah. yeah. They wanted they wanted to see what uh, Jurassic Park looked like versus space. <laughs> Dino space. But how can we be, do that? To be honest, I would have more likely gone to see a movie called Jurassic Park versus Space <laughs> than, than I would have 65. watched 65 <laughs> on my own accord. I really like Adam Driver as an actor. In everything I else I've seen, well. I think he's quite good. Um, as well as like, I want to see this film, which is why I put it on. I like him and um, I hadn't seen it yet. And it was one of those unknown unknown actor. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, it really would have gone nowhere, I think. No, yet again, I think he sold it. But I think this movie suffered from marketing issues. Mm. I think it was portrayed as this real kind of like actual like T-Rex versus Adam Driver with a gun for like two hours, but it wasn't really. Like it was mostly about him and this daughter, you know, pseudo-daughter character getting from where they crashed to the other part of the spacecraft from A to B and like building that relationship up, but not through talking through their acts essentially. Yeah. And there was a part in the film as well that I remember you saying to me, where are all the dinosaurs? Mm -hmm. And then it must've been the next five scenes all had some sort of different dinosaur Dinosaur. attack (laughs) involved. And 
You got you definitely got. I what you did asked for. like especially, and I think it was, was a part when you kind of I think left the room briefly towards the last part of the movie was there was like. I think three or four dinosaurs attacked him at once. And I was like, okay, well, look, they, they ended up bringing the dinosaurs. It was just a little bit they went, later. They went hard at the end. They went real hard at the end. Yeah. Um, they saved the day. They obviously killed a couple of dinosaurs that were trying to kill them, which means they could get off the uh, the planet before the asteroid hit that killed the dinosaurs. Because they had, obviously, there's a time crunch thing that you know builds suspense of them getting there in time and, and that all jazz. It wasn't the worst film I've seen. It wasn't terrible. Well, well, you've seen Vampfather. I've seen Vampfather. That is definitely one of the worst films I've seen. No, but like even with A-grade films, it was not the worst I've seen. It was, and I think I said this to you, I was like, I can see this from an artistic perspective as to why they've chosen her to be a different, speak a different language to Adam Driver's character is to, is to build that relationship up in a different way um, than they normally would on screen because obviously the, the whole thing is he's, daughter's died he's trying to and he's building that relationship up again with a different daughter character style character because obviously her parents are dead as well that would work really well in like an indie film or an artistic style film but this is yet again it's a triple a film it's got adam driver in it it's it's dinosaurs probably didn't need to have that element in it because this is this should have been just pure popcorn flick really push that and punch that out and this would have done a lot better, I think, rather than try and be arty. Yeah, I think it almost could have been that sort of just crash land on a planet survival type film without yeah. the the whole dinosaurs. Yeah, and um, I think you mentioned the fact that um, have a couple of them survive and then have a couple of them die in the way. Yeah. Like show the threat level. Yeah. That would have been a bit more interesting, I feel, because there's, I mean, well, it's just it. the two of them. with two. They and make it. They make it. There's no <laughs> There's no threat. <laughs> like it's threat, but it's threatening you know, situations. Yeah. That, but it's Yeah, there's no realization of that. Yes. Yeah. That would have been a better we should have wrote this, Ben. We would have made sixty five. Maybe that's what's next for us. I think so. We've tried everything else. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. You can film it. I'll we'll get Tish to write it. I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> you can you can act in it. Oh, I can act in it. Okay, done. Yeah. We'll sign this off. We'll start I our mean own. it's kind of one of the only roles left, unless you want to be my camera assistant. No, I'll act. Um, I think I could pull it off. Uh, okay, well, 65's all done and dusted. Do you want to talk about the movie you went and saw at the cinemas the other day? Yeah, so I went to see the new Saw movie, Saw mm-hmm. X. Saw, saw X, I think. Yeah, X um, going to give it to you. I, <laughs> I, I, I liked it. I, I did. Yeah. Um, I think it took the series a little bit back more towards its roots with the first few Saw films. It has some of those Saw stereotypes, you know, the sort of uh, quick pan camera when a trap is revealed and and the person's having (laughs) their panic moment because they're they're trapped and um, stuff like that, good plot twists. And, like, I I won't go into it too much because obviously being still in the cinema, there's a lot of people that will still want to see it. But I did think it was... um, Really good. The one thing that I'd recommend to people, though, and the one thing that I regret not doing is going back and making sure I was sort of across the characters and storylines of the other films. The original ones. I hadn't seen them uh, for a while, and I think some of the plot twists um, and reveals would have been a lot heavier for me. Knowing. 
knowing because I was sat with my brother watching the film. He had gone through and watched recently. all the previous films recently. So he, I could tell like the way he was sort of reacting mm. and I had to sort of go, oh, who's that? I can't <laughs> remember. And he's like, are you kidding? You're like, and I haven't watched it in a little I while. I was like, I haven't, I probably haven't watched, apart from the recent ones, which I wasn't a huge fan of, I haven't watched the original set of Saw films for probably four or five years. Oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah, okay. oh, it's long gone. I already struggle yeah. with characters stuff like that but yeah that that memory was long gone yeah i've seen the first three uh to me that's the trilogy the first three because that's you know when he dies at the end of three um really love the first three like i'm not you know i'm not a huge fan of horror um i i enjoy these films i thought they were actually really smart the first couple but i heard that you know four five six onwards they just become gore fest yeah, like less about the story and the plot twists that make sense and are actually good plot twists, and it, it just it, becomes silly yeah, gore. It definitely hit a point as well where it was sort of like this series is still, you know, absolutely pumping in the dollars. And that's why they kept making. We've them. got to find some story to attach to it. Yeah, like add on, like ah. Yeah. Oh, He's still alive, or somebody else is now. Someone doing else is it. taking like, over. Oh, he yeah. was actually training. So I, I yeah. don't remember. Flashback. Yeah. I don't remember exactly how they continued the story, but it was along those lines. Yeah, it of was that sort of like, oh, he's actually trained someone. Yeah, or someone else is doing it, or it's he's oh he's still alive, or blah blah blah. Like, yeah. or it, I think they approached pretty much every every angle, angle they, the they could. Of, yeah, <laughs> for the soul rebooting films. and keeping that. Um, They've done pretty well. Going. Yeah, because Halloween did the same thing. The amount of times that has like taken a different turn on which timeline the new ones are on yeah, and stuff. Yeah, that's it. And going back, like obviously I understand it was a different sort of time for films, but going back to the original Halloween. Oh, yeah. I like watching it today, having seen modern yeah, horror, horror movies yeah. before, you know, approaching that, I really just, I really didn't, enjoy it i was like it's oh, it's, it's a of, barely a tame pg-13 film yeah and, and it's like wow this really for, for such a well-known mm. and well-respected horror movie it really wasn't what i was expecting yeah not much happens no no he just stands in a bush for most of the time and <laughs> yeah. uh stares at her yeah and it's got that really iconic music <laughs> over the top that's it <laughs> that you know what's funny is that um one of my first touchscreen phones mm. Um, I remember getting so excited that I could change the ringtone and I had that you as had my Halloween. ringtone yeah. for years through high school. Oh, you're probably over it now, aren't you, then? You've heard it that often. Oh, I'm sick of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was the coolest thing. Oh, yeah, like, oh, I've got the Halloween There must have been ringtone. so many people that thought it was really lame. Well, I mean... But I thought it was cool. You did it for you, not for it, them. Exactly. Yeah. I am Don't my worry own what, person. Exactly. You wanted it, so you did it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ben, for Sorex. <laughs> um, last film that we both kind of watched the other night. Um, we went into this with high hopes when it started and then it v- very slowly collapsed under itself. So we watched Reptile from 2023 on Netflix uh, starring Benedict Del Toro, Justin Timberlake, Alicia Silverstone and a couple of others that are added starring in the Starring who? Alicia Silverstone. The first guy. Benicio Del Toro. I'm pretty sure you said Benedict. I did. <laughs> Moving on, Ben. Moving on. <laughs> this is this is what I said earlier. This is exactly what happened. And I pick up on the it confidence. all the time and call him out. And he if goes, I said Benedict Del Toro, would you know who I meant? No. 
really. But in fairness, I wouldn't know who you meant if you said Benicio or Benicio or Benicio. Benicio. It's it's a it's. I, I'm not like I'm not calling. <laughs> I I don't know how to pronounce it. But you that was completely wrong. But it's Benedict. <laughs> Benicio. It's no, it's not close. It's not even close. <laughs> Moving no. on, um, and it was uh, written by him and Grant Singer as well, because it was directed by Grant Singer. So he was obviously heavily involved in this film. Do you happen to know what it, what has he written before? Del Toro or Grant Singer? Del Toro. I don't know, actually. I didn't look him up in terms of, like, other things. Like, I know he's acting and yeah, stuff, it, but yeah. it makes – I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it was – Is it Sicario? Was he involved in the Sicario movies? I feel like that's so, where I recognise him from in some yeah. aspect, but I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. It's like Savages, I, I think, too. We had we both had very similar reactions. Whereas as it got closer and yeah. closer to the end, we were going, "I don't, I don't know what's going on here." Yeah, is this going to have a moment of wow? That was tying this. together, yeah. like whether they do it through flashbacks or whatever. And you know, yeah. a movie all comes together at the end. That type. That's of what you're waiting for. But That's what I was waiting well, they for. Just but kept adding new threads. I think I said to you, I think we were still a good forty five minutes from the end, and I said to you. I get the feeling this isn't going to wrap up nicely. You said that, I could yeah. just tell that it wasn't going to, and I don't know what was telling me that, but I just had a feeling. Yeah, it would, and it didn't. For the audience that haven't seen it, because it's very fresh, it's it's a, like a murder mystery thriller film, like neo noir type movie, where Justin Timberlake's you know dating this um, real estate agent. They both obviously work for the same company, his mother's company. She ends up, she ends up getting murdered in a house. He turns up and finds the body, and then um, Benicio del Toro is the hardened cop who is the detective on the case, and Alicia Silverstone is his wife. And to be honest, like that's probably about as much as I could tell you about the movie in confidence, mm-hmm. because that's I know for a fact that is Those what things. happened in the story. Yeah. If I tried to explain to you any of the sort of web of connections between all the characters, you know, crime and the business and the characters involved and the the police department and the detectives, I have zero confidence that I'd remember it and get it correct, get it right. It was one of those films where it suffers from, like you said, I think you said it, it was the people who make this film and are involved know exactly what's going on, but they have had a really tough time portraying it to the audience. Yeah. I think it suffers from, it thinks it's a really intelligent movie, but when it's on screen, it suffers from, it's not that intelligent. It's not a dumb film by any means. It's not Paul Blart, but it's, uh, it just isn't as heightened level of intelligence as it thinks it is. What are you talking about? Paul Blart? <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was like, we'll see if he picks up on this. <laughs> Look, it's not exactly highbrow, no, but it's not. <laughs> It's not. It, I do, Entertaining, but yeah, I do love that film. I know. I I said that one on purpose. I, I think having I think having watched it as an adult, I probably wouldn't have. But I watched it at the pretty much the perfect age like to 15. find it really amusing. But having said that, my parents love it too. You put it on the other day, like well, it's about two months ago now. But like first time I watched it, I had a good time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything's dated in it. It's from two thousand and seven or had, something, had but s- it's good. Have you spoken about? Paul Blart in a podcast. Uh, I think I mentioned it in what what we've been watching, yeah. 
I think that for, week it was. I think we had a moment when we were trying to discuss what this episode would be about, where you kind of just said as a joke, "Oh, we could just do a Paul Blart episode." <laughs> we could just do a Paul Blart episode. It's like, please. Yeah, apparently, the second one's not that good, though. It's not. No, no? I, is it the I, Vegas one? Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't bother watching. Okay, second. like it has maybe a couple of like moments that are. Yeah, on par with the first one and that sort of comedy and yeah and that. But other than that, it just yeah, it's just not. It's not as good. Yeah, first one was fun. One was it doesn't fun. have the charm of that sort of. He's a local mall cop, and this is some like average local mall as well. That yeah, okay. he's protecting with his life and the people inside it. Like yeah, okay. That charm of it. Yeah, yeah. This the the second one definitely took all of that out of it. And yeah, right. Yeah, I think it tried to play a bit too hard on those same sort of comedic values of his character as well. And it was kind of like, yeah, you just, re- you can't, just re- you, trying you can't to do it twice in it's, a different environment. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I probably won't end up watching that anytime soon, but that pretty much wraps up our, what we've been watching in the past couple of weeks since we've had time off and you have had a few things as well. That means it's time for a bit of trivia. We're going to ask each other a, a series of three questions and see who is, Who's the more knowledgeable out of the two of us? Excellent. I'm interested to see how this goes because picking like three questions, I I was trying to decide what I wanted to do to sort of test you and mm. I picked my first two questions are Simpsons. Oh, okay. You've gone themed like but for specifically. Having for said okay. that, it is they're questions that I didn't know. Yeah. But having but said that, this is you mm. and this is Simpsons. So I could ask you these questions and you go, mate, that's like, you know, year two level trivia. <laughs> like, I knew that when I was four. Um, so we'll, I'm we'll interested see. to see, yeah, how, how you go with these questions. And then the third one is a question that is also related to a show that I know you watched and enjoyed, but I'll leave that. We'll as leave it. We'll find out as we get asked. Surprise. It. Yeah. I so was, do we go one question? One each? question yep. each. Like I'll go, you go. I'll go, you go. Um, I was going to put in a lost question for you. Yeah, you just did, to you test. Did tell me this earlier, I, and I, I'm almost disappointed that you didn't because I think it would have been funny. Yeah, after, I just didn't tell you. <laughs> well, the fact that after we've spoken about the fact that it's been on so much in the house recently. Mm. And it would have been a good test of how much I've actually been paying attention to the show. Yeah. Oh, I could. I mean, I could ask on the fly a fourth bonus question. Yeah. Let's I mean, do, I, don't, I haven't written it down, but I could try. I'll give Why it a not? crack. Okay. You um, know so much about Lost. I'm not I could literally just make it a, a question. Make yeah. a question. All right. So I'm going to ask the first question. Yeah. You ready? I'm ready. What Hollywood movie star plays himself in Zombieland? Oh... Uh, the name, the name's <laughs> escaping me. I know exactly who it is from Ghostbusters. Um, yep, yep. I'm, I'm literally having a, a mental blank on the name, but I, yeah, yeah. I know who it is. You know who it is. Um, can you think of other movies he's in besides Ghostbusters? It might help. It might jog your memory. I'll give you a hint. It's not Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> well, as soon as you say Dan Aykroyd, I you think, think of, of Blues Brothers. I was like, he's going to go to and Blues I'm Brothers. Like, well, he's not in Blues. John Belushi. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, I. I mean, I can say it. I'll just give you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of time to try and think about. He's also in Space Jam. I haven't seen Space. Oh Jam. Oh my god, you haven't seen Space Jam. No. 
No. Jesus Christ. I don't think I've seen many other movies that he's in either. I know exactly. Lost in Translation? It, it, no, haven't seen it. Groundhog Day. Haven't seen it. Oh, my God. You are really unlocking some uh, – some people are going to come for you. Yeah, well, that's okay. <laughs> Have I, you seen any Wes Anderson film that I've put on? Well, bits of them. Yeah. You know, if I sat through any of them – I don't think you've sat through full, full episode, full movies of them. No. I, I don't think – I wouldn't actively say that I don't like Wes Anderson, I, but I don't think there's been any of his movies that have particularly grabbed me, and I don't know whether that's – the theme of those movies or whether it's his style that I'm just not. Yeah. Have you, with. have you watched one in full? I don't think, not that I can that? remember off the top of my head. Okay. What, if there is one, what would it probably be? I uh, look, if the two I'd say you should watch and you'd understand Wes Anderson, or actually three, I'll say three. I would say the Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, the Royal Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. They're, Probably the three I'd suggest watching to kind of really understand what he yeah. does as a filmmaker. I, yeah, I haven't seen any of those. And if you watch those, you'll probably go, oh, okay, I get it and I kind of really dig it. Well, I think the thing is I picked up on a lot of his filmmaking, um, I don't know what you say, traits. Um, uh, is yeah. that the right word? Well, he's an auteur, so yeah. Yeah, so through the fact that it kind of turned into a viral internet uh, the AI thing to, stuff came up a lot too yeah, lately. And, and, and people would, you know, again, people were just doing, oh, day in my life style of Wes Anderson. It was a lot of symmetry, the color grading, uh, yeah. and whip pans, that sort yeah. of stuff. So I sort of picked up on the fact that um, I'd, I'd say it took me a long time to actually even understand the importance of directors and their style in films as yeah. well. Like for the longest time, I... It, it, it wouldn't bother. Like I could you, go into a film, I wouldn't it didn't even matter. Care. Didn't matter yeah. who the director was. I I probably wouldn't have picked up on. It does make a huge oh definitely. difference 100%. and influence now. Like I was the same when I was a bit younger. I was like, oh, it's a film. I wouldn't look into who made it, who wrote it, and stuff like that. Yeah. But now it's like a real important part of what I go to the movies for and and what I want to see is like, oh, who's making this film? Well, that's it. And people, I think people would probably you know, not be a huge fan of, of that for me mm. having been involved in, like I did film and television in high school yeah. and, um, you know, screen and media through TAFE and got a diploma and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And to say like, it's only really been even like last few years that I've actually gone, Oh, this person's directed it. I'll see that because. Yeah. Cause they've done other stuff I like. Yeah. 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 Okay. I might have to call it time there. Yeah, so, I yeah. gave you a bit of a, a diversion. To, to tactic. be honest, it, to be honest, you I forgot. Could, I forgot that we were even still <laughs> hadn't. We're on trivia question. still. Yeah. Okay. So, so what Hollywood movie star plays himself in Zombieland is Bill Murray. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of it's one of those moments where the the pressure of the moment, and I'm just uh, like, well, if it was in my head, I having thought about it's gone it now, now, it's gone. It's gone, gone now. It's like I always think about when I watch things like, um, you know, like Wheel of Fortune and shows like that, and you're like, I know the answer. How can you not? Yes. How can you not? But I was like, if I was in that situation. You'd be having a blank. I'd be having a mental blank. There'd be lights on me. I'd be freaking out. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the thing is, like, I've seen, like, I, I like Zombieland. I've seen yeah. it quite a few times. So it straight away. Well, you knew who it was. You just had away. no name there, which is, yeah. You knew, you knew who it was. So. It's half, half a point. Yeah, that's how. Oh, look, or give, we'll see how you go. You might need half a point. I might. You might. Yeah, because right. I've, I've, 
If we're going off points, I may have made mistakes by picking well, Simpsons questions. <laughs> we'll see. I'm, re- I'm ready to go. All right. Okay, so my first question is, including middle name, what is Bart's full name? Bartholomew. Oh, what's the middle name? Oh, my God. You might have stumped me. Good. This is what I was it's like. For. It's like, it's not Jay. It's Jojo or something like that. It's like, obviously Simpsons last name. The middle name is... Because I know it's Homer J. Simpson and the J stands for J. J-Y is a whole episode based in, on interestingly it. Interestingly enough, I was I saw that question and was thinking of putting it in. Oh, yes. see, if you got but Homer one, because I, I remember that episode. Oh, they talk about it. It's something really weird and like kind of like weirdly not you wouldn't pick for Bart's middle no, name. No, no. So obviously you've got Bartholomew. Yeah. And, and you know, anyone knows the surname is Simpson. Yeah. I'm not going to get the middle name. I'm doing what you're doing with... Bill Murray. Well, you did. It's it is Jojo. Oh, I did yeah, get it. Yeah. Oh my god, I got it. <laughs> yes. There wasn't the confidence there, which no. I'm glad. I'm glad. No, that was it. Look, I should have probably had confidence in the Jojo because yeah, it is it, obviously. But yeah, yeah. You, I just you knew had, it. I didn't have to recall that for yeah. a long time. Yeah, you, you, like it was definitely there. You just didn't. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, it, something like like Jojo. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, next one. Thank Let's you. Go. Thank you. All right, one. One yes, point. Let's go. Um, all right. So your next question. In what 1979 James Bond movie does the famous spy go to outer space? Moonraker. Yes. Yeah. I knew I was watching you when I gave you that question. I'm like, you're going to think you're not going to know it. No, I know. <laughs> no, I, I, to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of the old Bond films. Yeah. But the name kind of gives it away. Moonraker. Familiar yeah, moon, enough with, yeah. you know, the... It's, What's happened v- in it's the very campy movies, so. when he goes to space. Yeah. It's very funny. I just remember like, cause I had the GoldenEye game when I was young, like yeah. Nintendo 64. And there was a, there was a particular like level, which had kind of like the actual guns from it in there. And I just remember that and it was very good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next. One point to me. One. You're on one My and a half. Point. And okay. I'm on one. I, it, the fact that you knew the Homer one has me a bit nervous that you'll okay. get this one straight yeah. away. But what is Marge's maiden name? Bouvier. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. I was like, <laughs> how do I say this? It's French. Well, that's it. Bouvier. I, was, I was sort of hoping you would get it so I wouldn't have to pronounce the name. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. But that is correct. Yeah, okay. I actually didn't think about Marge when I answered that. I think thought about Patty and Selma. I, okay, have, I, I think to be honest with my third question, you're going to get three straight. Oh, but the next one is first week of, of it. Yeah, the next the next one I kind of just threw in as a bit of a call out for one of your guilty watching pleasures. So, well, uh, uh, is it Emily in Paris? You'll have to wait. <laughs> Thank Let, you. Let's go. Thank next you. question. All right, you'll probably get this one too. I made this one kind of easy. Who wrote the screenplay for Rocky? Who wrote the screenplay <laughs> for Rocky? Oh, I, I don't heard know if you, you heard me. I heard you. I think you stumped me by the fact that you said it was an easy question and then I had nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Oh, that was the greatest. Who wrote the... Think of Rocky. Sylvester Stallone. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, correct. To be, I didn't know that. Oh, really? Oh, like I shouldn't have fact- said it was easy. I would have just thrown you then. But then again... Yeah, he wrote it. It's not it. that complex, is it? No, no. And he made the same film like three times I, in a you, row. If you hadn't have said, think think of Rocky. Yeah. 
I, I wouldn't that it wouldn't have come up. If I just read the question, yeah, I you, wouldn't have got it. No, I wouldn't have got I it. I kind of led you down the path. But as soon as you led me down that pathway, I was like, well, it's Sylvester Stallone. It won so many he, awards too. Doesn't give himself a lot of complex dialogue, does he? No. Adrian, we did it, Adrian. <laughs> oh, I'm going to stand up the top. <laughs> yeah, there is not many lines in that film. There isn't. He punches a lot of things. Mm. Not, a, not the best actor, but iconic. Iconic. Yeah. You got to think what else was coming out around that time. I think the funny <laughs> thing is, I a lot of sort of big name iconic actors like him, mm. I find have gone from iconic roles into sort of lower tier things. Whereas I think not that. Uh, not that there's anything that really stands out to me from Sylvester Stallone in his films since Rocky, mm. but he's still they're definitely more complex roles. Oh yeah, like, like even it, in Creed and that, feels, which is the same story, like story. Yeah, yeah, like it's the same series. He, it's way more complex now, it even feels with his to character. Me, like he did Rocky, and then he was sort of like, oh, maybe the next one I can give myself a few more lines. Maybe we'll we'll have a robot in the fifth one. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I love going, yeah, seeing in the, the movies like that, you know, what they think future technology yeah. is going to be like. You can watch the 80s version that, of now. Yeah. That robot in that film looks like something you'd buy from a dollar store. It looks like, like a, a Lost kid. in Space exactly. um, yeah. robot. It's pretty, it's, <laughs> it's so awful. Good. So good. Awful. Do you want your bonus question? No, I, I'll do... Well, I'll do my last one. Oh, I, sorry. Yeah, yeah your yeah, last yeah. one. Sorry. And then, and then, we'll, then I'll do a bonus we'll do one. See if you can get... Because I got three... You got three straight? No, I don't know. You no. I'm, I'm on half. You're on two and a half. Two and a half. And this so. will get me to three. And then bonus could get you over the line. What are you going to do? Bonus question worth half a point? Yeah. And then we'll tie it yeah. if I get it. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. Sounds good to me. Sweet. Um, in the popular Netflix show, Emily in Paris... <laughs> <laughs> What is the name of the French marketing firm where Emily works? Uh, is it Sauve Blanc? Sauve, Sauvant? Sauve, something like that. I come really bad with French. It, it is something like yeah. that. Sauve, it's not Sauve Blanc. So, there's no B in it, right? Sauve Blanc? Sauve, I can't. You, you know what it, I'm saying? You're starting it right, but you're ending Sauve, it wrong. All I can think of is Savant, because that's what I think they say a lot. You're ending it on like a hard ending where it is it's it's got more of a flow to the end. Sev Savant? <laughs> You're just saying the same thing. Savoir. 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 <laughs> that was a good question. That was a very good question. I, okay, that's good. Because I was I was sort of thinking, I'm like, oh, for someone who's watched it, it could be just the it's easiest f- question ever. French. Yeah. I've, I, there's only so much Duolingo I can do. Oh, I know. Like, <laughs> I, I think I also put it in there because I wanted you to pronounce it. Chet. Which, which is, is it horse, I think. I I'm still. <laughs> You've done more French than I have. Je m'appelle Chanon. Well, there you go. There you go. Okay. Uh, your bonus question. Yeah, let's do it. So in the series finale of season one, a couple of the characters are head out in the wilderness to the Black Rock. What is the Black Rock? All I remember them going out to is to try and go up to get a signal for 
in the series finale of season one. Oh, the only thing I remember about the series finale is the bunker. The hatch? The hatch. Okay. What did they blow up with? Dynamite? Where did they get the dynamite? A cave? <laughs> okay. I remember seeing <laughs> a, I remember seeing a guy pick up a stick of dynamite and blow himself up. Correct. Where did that happen? I think a cave. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you really weren't paying attention to her. That was good. That's good to know. Okay. So I might have to rewatch season one again with you. Uh, oh, please. <laughs> no, I don't think that's necessary. For anyone playing at home and wants to know what the Black Rock is, it is a I want to know too. Old ship. It is a nineteen a sixteen hundred um sailing ship. There was a ship in it? That's where they got the dynamite from. I thought was, you literally meant a rock. The, the name of the ship is called the Black Rock. I didn't know there was a ship. I pointed it out to you, but you're clearly not watching. Uh, yeah. You could have <laughs> just asked, does an old ship appear in make Lost? an appearance in Lost Season 1? I wouldn't have known. <laughs> I probably would have said no. <laughs> Got him. I'm going to have to test you on Season 2 now. No. Not I, now, but like... I think... Okay, maybe maybe that's maybe it's not a test of whether I'd been paying attention if you tested me on something in the first four episodes because you know I watched those. I know you did. The rest of it, I, all I remember is a, the bunker, mm-hmm. the hatch, you tell, the hatch. You've got to be real specific with the uh, terminology. I mean, don't it's, I? it's it's only ever called a hatch, but it is a bunker. Oh yeah, technically. <laughs> <laughs> like I suppose the entrance is a hatch. Yes. Okay. So therefore they go, oh, that hatch. They don't know there's a bunker under there, but spoiler alert, it's a bunker. What's the name of the man living in the hatch? Not a clue. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we won't, we won't answer that one today. No, no, no. we'll move on. Okay, um, I think we'll we'll safely say that I think you've won by half a point. Just half a point? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm happy with that. I'll take it. That was fun. Good trivia. Yeah. Time to move on to the news. So I've added a few things over the past couple of weeks. So some of these are a little bit like older, but we haven't, you know, had an episode. So I haven't really had a chance to talk about them. I think a couple of them are pretty, pretty relevant. What I'll do is I'll read them and I guess we'll talk about them uh, after that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Expendables 4 scrapes up franchise low $3.2 million opening day. Audience don't seem to intend to attend the latest Expendables film. The fourth entry in the Ensemble Action franchise is notching a series-low opening day from only 3,500 theatres with 3.2 million, a figure that includes a meager 750,000 in Thursday previews. Yeah, so this film is not really doing well, and even reviews are saying it's pretty lacklustre. So I've obviously seen the trailer, and um, I actually, when I went to go and see the new Saw film, Mm -hmm. the trailer played beforehand. I was with my brother. My brother, you know, he was very much into action movies and those sort of, you know, the big name actors um, that were in the first couple of these films. So he, you know, he he watched the first couple of Expendables movies Mm. and he saw the trailer and he he didn't even know they were doing it. That's the the thing. Even besides the trailer, I didn't know they were making one. I didn't know it, it was out. (laughs) <laughs> well, there you go. I knew they were making it. I didn't know it was out yeah. yet. So, did, so, obviously, the marketing. Yeah. And he obviously Not wasn't keen I, to see it. Yeah. It, it was sort of... And the fact that, like, some of those bigger names have dropped off the list as well. They're not and, in it as much. You know, it's kind of like... Oh, the, the ensemble is not as strong as it was in the not first Not in this fourth few, one. And there was... 
a lot of value of the films was purely in the fact that it's those names together. Like, oh, yeah. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, Arnie's not in it. Arnie's not in it. Bruce Willis one. isn't in it. Yeah, they're There's like two of the biggest Someone else as well is not in it. But it's had Jet Li in the past. It's had um, Terry Crews, you know, a bunch of other people as well. That yeah, are, this this one definitely seems like the weakest cast. Yeah, and it's got when, Megan Fox in it. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> what my brother said. When we were watching the trailer and it shows the group of them together, he just goes, is that Megan Fox? Mm. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I think that's who Jason Statham's dating. dating. Yeah. It looks like that from yeah. the trailer. Yeah. Nah, not keen. Not keen for this. No. But the, the first couple were okay. I didn't mind them. They're all yeah, right. They're like just popcorn flicks. Popcorn yep. action and films. And the characters. Yeah. Yep. Great. Bit They're of, fine. Bit of humor. Yeah. Mm. Uh, next bit of news. Uh, okay. The writer's strike is over on the 148th day of this uh, work stoppage. The board of the WGA West and Council of the WGA East voted unanimously on the 27th of September to lift the strike order. Following a tentative agreement on the new minimum basic agreement, contract with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, that means writers can finally go back to work. There is no further ongoing uh, news about the actor's strike as of yet. Well, it's a, it's a step, right? This you is know, huge. It's, it's big and... It surprises me the fact that it lasted 148, 148 days. days. Like I'm not as, I suppose, up to date on all the you yeah. know workings and happenings with yeah. the strike. Obviously, I know the effect it's having on the production of mm. movies. Um, no, this is this is great news. One, I've I've looked briefly into like what they agreed upon. So AI cannot write um, any literature that goes towards making of a TV show or film. There was bigger a, writer rooms, and I'm pretty sure residuals. So I was listening to a podcast, actually, um, not yours. No, that's okay. You'll catch up one um, day. Maybe when you actually a, appear I in it next. Be getting, I could be getting this quote wrong, but I thought it was really interesting. And uh, it's a podcast with Dax Shepard. Yeah, he's dating um, Kristen Bell. Yes, yeah. Yeah. and it's called Armchair Expert. Yeah, I I tend to pick and choose the episodes based on who who's in it. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I think it was um, RDJ, Robert Downey Jr. He mm. was talking to, and they were talking about the sort of whole sort of writing, directing. And I think he he had a quote that he'd heard from someone else, which was, I, I could be getting this slightly wrong, but it's the same sort of concept, right? He said, and the quote was, anyone can act, some people can direct, no one can write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's pretty pretty accurate, I think, too. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it just highlights the importance of the people, you know, mm. and, and I think writers don't get a lot of recognition, recognition yeah. for how important a well-written film is. Yeah. And it's, it's very noticeable when, I think lately, like in the past couple of years, when you notice like something that's really decent and the writers have been obviously like well-supported comparative to something that's been punched down on Netflix – in a really, really tight, you know, writer's room and they just pump out this show that's just absolute garbage. Yeah. And, you know, they don't care about what they're writing, but also the fact that the network doesn't give a shit about what they're writing and it gets produced and it's just there so you keep subscribing, basically. And I think I think that's the problem with a lot of things that start, you know, it might be series, I'd say potentially some of the newer Star Wars stuff suffers from mm. that trying to, like pump it out yeah where i don't know there's Especially a lot lo- of things yeah. that as a as, marvel yeah, as tv a star shows. wars fan i feel like it just doesn't like you know that they, they've 
they've put things in the script and the the movie that or TV series that try to make certain actions or things make sense mm. to the lore of the Star Wars universe, but it doesn't feel authentic mm-hmm. to the classic Star Wars galaxy and and what we've you know fans have come to know and love from the films. Yeah, and it, it feels in saying that though, Ahsoka. Yes. It's been very good. Yeah, that's true. It's like a I, f- breath of fresh air for the series. It's it's put some confidence back in me about the Star Wars mm. shows. Having said that, I don't want them to just keep churning them out. Like if, if you're able to create content that's sort of on that level with the Ahsoka series, yeah. but it's going to take a little bit more time between one, them. One I'll wait. Yeah, I'll wait. Fine. I don't need Star Like part of the excitement is that, you know, the wait and you go, oh, there's a new one coming. That's so yeah. exciting. Whereas to me, even as a Star Wars fan, the amount that they were sort of churning out every six months a new series, like yeah, I haven't even finished a couple of those series. I haven't finished Mandalorian season three. I haven't finished Andor. No, I'm the same. Yeah. I think we're up to the same points. In yeah, because that's when I felt burnt out by it because I was like, Ugh, I'm just watching it for the sake of watching because it's Star Wars or it's Marvel, you know, like especially the Marvel TV shows is, oh, it has to do with the greater, you know, storylines that infect the films. So I have to watch this because that's going to affect that movie and vice, you know, rah, 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 rah. And it's like, am I actually enjoying this? Probably not. There's only been a handful of the TV shows that I've actually really liked. And, yeah, that's so I'm like, well, I'm glad that Marvel's at least taken a step back and realized the TV shows weren't doing anything really good for the MCU and they're only doing a couple per year now comparative to like the, I think six or something they planned for the like previous years, like per year. Yeah, and it's like, it just, oh, it it's too much. too much. And you look at, I suppose the original, what do they call them? Movies? Phase. Oh, Phases. the phase. Yeah, yeah. They call them phase. So yeah. you look at the original, like, Phase one, two, three. Phase one, two, three. Yeah. And if you actually look at the hours worth of content in those phases Mm -hmm. and the time span in terms of years of release that that went across. Yeah. But it felt like there was so much more to it Mm -hmm. than these recent phases. But when you have a look at screen hours, these new phases completely destroy the yeah, first three. because of these TV shows. Yeah. The, the hours of TV show. And I think that's an opportunity for them to go even bigger, like bigger and crazier and more in depth. Yeah. And But it just hasn't. It's felt so it's got weak. Well, because they've got less money than mm. the movies to create these. Yeah. But they have to create more hours. So yeah. it's just drags in the middle part. You can tell I, there's always a one, think, two yeah. first episodes that have something like pretty decent happen, a whole lot of nothing, and then the second last episode is always another action-heavy episode because it's, you know, ooh, it's the big climax battle, and then the last episode is the resolution where everyone's, like, happy again and yeah. it might lead to, you know, a future TV show or movie. I'm actually wondering, do you have any examples of a film series that has been turned into a TV show that has been good? Not real, no, no, no. Because <laughs> I mean, these, yeah, <laughs> they're different formats, right? Yeah. And I think different things audience, that are suited generally. to film, theater, movies, mm-hmm. I just don't think they work in that sort of TV show format. Like Loki season two is out. 
Is it? The first episode's out. I ha- I've heard, I saw a review of the first five that and wasn't, it wasn't good. particularly stunning, which is really disappointing because that Loki's, was one of the, that's the, best the strong one. series. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the best TV series out of the ones they've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd agree. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I was very keen for season two, but I think I might wait till it's all out and just watch it Yeah, because they're doing it week by week. And yeah. I was like, okay, I'll just wait. Well, that's it. It says a lot. Like I, you know, I liked all the Marvel stuff and mm. I think I still would say that one of the best cinema experiences I've Endgame. had was Endgame. Mm. And also like going into that, not, you know, not knowing um, what was going to happen. Yeah, well. Um, Infinity War as well. Like that sh- I, that I don't ending? know whether spoilers I so got out. I, I no, wasn't, I, went I didn't on. know any of them. So I went into that movie not knowing what, what was going to happen? Having any idea what the ending was going to be like, and the fact that it just kind of ended on yeah, half of them Thanos winning and half of them disappearing was huge. That was huge. It was huge. It was like a real great moment for cinema. And I don't think they'll get close no. to that. They're trying to build it up again with um, Jonathan Majors's character in Kang, but the way they slowly drip fed them, like the the threat of Thanos yeah. just works so well for the first 10 years yeah. of of Marvel. And then obviously when it came together in those two Avengers films, it was just awesome. But they've kind of pumped Kang at you from the start. It's like, this is the next big bag, blah, blah, blah. Like he's going to be in um, Loki as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a bit too early too soon because you're just going to, you know, go, okay, well, how how is this going to play out for the next three phases, 10 years. But it also, like, he doesn't, I, like, I don't know if you'd agree, but he doesn't, to me, feel like as big of a villain because you look at, like, Ant-Man where they essentially beat him. Yeah, anyway. and that got, that's a big issue because whereas with I think with they took Thanos, the wrong risk with that. You saw, but like you said, they drip-fed him, yeah. but nobody was... Nobody was touching him, right? No. He wasn't involved in the battles. He was sort of controlling. Even the people from... that were main villains for most of the movies were like his servants. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's pretty and huge, right? Like, that sort of create like turns him into this powerful yeah. figure. And then when he actually has his first mm, moment he wins. in battle, he wins. Yeah, so that's a he huge... beats the entire <laughs> squadron of superheroes. Yeah, and yeah. he wins. Um, yet Kang, we've already sort of see like I get Ant-Man beats him. <laughs> I get the concept that there's like so many of him and it's multiverse and everything That's like what, that, yeah. whatever. But that I think that also leaves weakness in the room for oh, I have no doubt there are going to be some versions of him that will be stronger. Yeah, you know, apparently or, there are supposed to be stronger versions, or maybe than the, versions of him that potentially. But it just means that like or something. Well, there's that, and there's also the fact that okay, there's so many of him, like. Well, when they defeat one in probably every single movie that will come up next, when's the end result? Like, what's yeah. the end goal here? What, yeah, what's the what's the point? And and obviously they've already sort of spoken about the fact that it's these two Avengers films. But yeah, there are I'm two. I'm not might... particularly thrilled about what that Avengers cast is going to look no. like. No, well, the ones they're slowly introducing now, I'm just like, I don't really like. I don't have the care There's factor not many there. I care about and and some of the. Actually, I'd say a majority of the the ones that are left from the original phases are the ones that I cared less about anyway. Well, they've changed the characters so much, they're not really what they were. I mean, look at Thor, look at um, Bruce Banner. Who are they anymore? I don't mind Thor 
at, like as a character. Mm. I think having rewatched the more recent movie, I was like, oh, it's kind of like, eh, yeah, whatever. I don't mind him as a character. I think, yeah, Bruce Banner, part, like a major part of his character was that struggle between mm. you and know, now turning into Hulk yeah. and being. And now, I don't know, I feel like that character's weaker now. Yeah. Um, most recent Thor movie, eh, but Thor as a character are still... Yeah. Oh, Thor no, Ragnarok was still one, oh, is yeah. still one of the best films. Yeah. But who, like who else is, like Ant-Man, yeah. obviously. I think uh, Ant-Man's always kind of Ant-Man, fine. but he's also he's always been Ant- just Ant-Man. He's Ant-Man, like, like he's fine. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's not. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, back to the news. <laughs> we definitely we'll get through it eventually. We'll get through it. It was a bit of a tangent there. Um, last bit of the news before we get into our main topic of the episode is Harry Potter actor Daniel Radcliffe honoured his late co-star Michael Gammon in an emotional statement in which he called Gammon one of the most brilliant, effortless actors I've ever had the privilege of working with. Gammon died on 27th of, October, uh, 27th of September at 82 years old. So, um, unfortunately, Dumbledore passed away um, late last month. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things that's like it's not, I suppose, a surprise to anyone, but it was such a prominent character in yeah. so many people's lives that it's obviously like quite a sad It's a big thing. Moment. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of that quote from uh, Robbie Coltrane who played Hagrid. Yeah. Where he He's also said passed away. that character will be around long after I am. Hagrid, like, yeah. Hagrid will still, you know, people will still be yeah. connecting with Hagrid as a character, but I'll be gone. Yeah, and, and I'll be the same the with same. Dumbledore, yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, a couple of them have passed away, the um, That's Harry it, Potter though, actors. I, I think, you know, they were already, like, they were older cast members during In the 2000s, and yeah. It's gotten to that point now where, yeah, we're going to start seeing a lot yeah. of those iconic um, actors or it's not even necessarily that I think he's one of those. I think to a lot of younger generation, like myself, I don't think. Uh, to me, it's not the actor mm. that I find like I see as as like the, the big thing. It's his character, yeah, right? Yeah. So like I, it, it's like with other things, you know, it's like it's more the actor, and you're sad because you won't be able to see that actor in things anymore. But this is to the me, betrayal. It's more so like. Yeah, he is. He is. He is Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's the way I see it too. So it's um, yeah. It's it's a rough time, but we'll. we'll I want to see them do the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Now that the actors are getting a little bit older, twenty five years later. The only thing that worries me about that is, I really wasn't a fan of the end scene where they're all at the train station with their young kids. Uh, and why do they look so awful as adults? Because it's just prosthetics. They're I not know, actually old, but, but like... Come on. Like Harry Potter is one of those movies where like I've been on the studio tour mm. and the work that they did with practical effects and oh, yeah. robotics and prosthetics and everything like that is incredible. Yet that, that could have at least... Like they all look like... They look depressed. depressed. They're adults. Yeah. like, <laughs> But, like, they look like they've let themselves go. You know what I mean? Yeah, Ron well. was, like, a chubbier person as well. Like, like, I don't, like it's not, like, dis- disastrous. I just looked at them and went, oh. Like, yeah, it wasn't a great... It wasn't a great betrayal of them later. We'll see. If it, I don't I think... It, I, don't, I suppose that's becoming an adult, in a way. 
We're not attractive in our older age. Uh, speak for yourself. Uh, look, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a decade older, Millie. So, <laughs> so it's, it's just what's, this what's is, about to this happen to This is me. what's going to happen to you. Yeah. Uh, all right, that like, kind of sums up the news that we've had for the past couple of weeks. And that gives us time to move into the main topic. And as we kind of spoke about at the start of the episode, we've picked documentaries because uh, yourself being you know, quite an avid fan of documentaries as it's kind of influenced your life and your career, proje- you know, trajectory. Yeah, I'd say I, I definitely like, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think there's always been an, an inkling of seeing, there's a lot of documentaries that I've seen and go, like, it'd be really cool to just be there yeah. and sort of get behind the scenes and, and get this footage, um, whether it be like, the David Attenborough like doc, nature documentaries and be part of the teams that are seeing this and capturing it. I apart would, from the fact that the environments oh, that some of them have oh, to gorgeous, go, yeah. But also the equipment ridiculous they would use? amount of time spent yeah. there waiting as well. Just like one like little bird to move past the camera. I and think like that, all day. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't. I don't think I could do that side of it. No. But there's the other things as well that are like those sort of more guerrilla style documentary filmmaking yeah. i think there was one i can't remember the name it was the one about the oceans and the pollution and i was it the the whale one black black fish or something like that black that's that's one of them yeah um, it's a different one that i'm thinking of but there was a part where they were trying to investigate um i can't remember what country it was in but it was where they basically get all these dolphins into a cove yes, and like I've spear seen, them yep. and kill them and all this sort of stuff. And I've seen the scene. The the particular like guy who was making this film mm. was at such huge risk because they're so secretive and protective about it. about it that it's kind of like there's a good chance that they're this protective of it that as a filmmaker They'll trying to put this out to the world, you could just disappear. Yeah, that will kill you. That's yeah. scary. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I, but terrifying. Yeah, it's it's that next level of, you know, journalism essentially, yeah. but doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and I suppose that's part it that is part of the argument though. It's kind of like I think anything you put to screen from a certain perspective. That's what I was about to bring up is has, it's still a perspective yeah. regardless of what you It's still got bias. Yes. Regardless it's always going to Anything from an, an individual, mm. regardless of whether you try to ha- have it as a biased piece yeah. or not, it will always have some sort of bias. It's yeah. like, for, for example, probably the easiest way to put it is like take me and my work, for example. The bias in my work is the angle mm. at which I was shooting the photo, right? Yeah. Where I'm, I'm seeing it from where I'm stood, whether it's on a sports field or at an event or mm-hmm. something like that. Like it's a photo, right? You're just taking a photo of what is happening. Yeah, but it's your perspective. But the bias in that is that it's from my viewpoint. It's yeah. from literally from my perspective. And that's the same with the documentary because the documentary is still telling a story. Yes, yeah. and I and I was going to go into this because um, what's really interesting about that is during my um, last few years of high school in film and television and um, – my girlfriend, shout out Catherine, actually brought this up to me the other day. She was like, do you remember that um, thing that we watched, which was this, it was basically, it was kind of like behind the scenes of how this documentary scene was shot. Mm. And it was, 
just a really basic, I think it was even a David Attenborough style yeah. kind of like, but it was about like the foxes in the UK and them sort of, you know, learning to live with what humans have put there. So them sort of like finding ways in, sneaking in yeah. to get like, you know, the, the chickens, the, yeah. the farmer's chickens and all that sort of stuff. And they they went into detail about, and you look at it and go, okay, cool, it's a bunch of shots. It's the fox making its journey over, getting into the chicken coop, getting mm-hmm. one of the farmer's chickens and making the escape. But it actually shows the amount of control that the they've funneling put over they the did. fact that they've basically funneled the fox yeah. to go across certain shots, put all those shots together. Mm-hmm. And then the shot of the fox going into the chicken coop mm-hmm. is not, at all connected to the fact that in the other scene where there's like the sort of panicked chicken noises and all that sort of stuff, there was actually just a, an assistant inside the chicken coop. Just chasing them? Basically. Well, he was basically, yeah, doing that. I don't even know if there were chickens in there. He was he just had a handful of feathers that he sort of oh. threw out the door as well yeah, to okay. get that shot of like, the, oh, the, this, the, is, the this frenzy. is chaos, this is chaos. Yeah, okay. Um, so there's a very good chance there are actually no chickens or fox at all in that shot. And I think to some people you might go, well, yeah, it's obvious. Like they're just, But it the way they're done is to make yeah. it feel like it it's, isn't, to make it feel natural. A, it's hitting a broader, broader audience to manipulate their opinion on something, right? That's like it. That's and it's, it's telling a story that I don't think anyone would argue with. No. They want, they're not going to go, oh, fo- no, a fox wouldn't do that. Yeah, exactly. It, it's telling a... a but it's the still of the truth, manufactured. But it's still manufactured. Yeah, and every every documentary does this to a good degree. Yeah. Yep. So it's not just it's not like you put a camera out there and the story they're telling is um, is just randomly created. Like there's a reason why these people are out there filming. There's a reason why they're out there, you know, asking the certain questions about certain things. Is because they already know what's happening. They want to have the outcome of the documentary to be the opinion that they've probably want you to have is the same as theirs. And yeah, they lead questions in a way so that you go, Oh yeah, I do agree with that. Like it's, that's particularly the ones that, you know, involve the you know, the questions and stuff, but the ones like David Attenborough where it's like, you know, planet earth and stuff. I, you know, I just think they're just Marvel to look at regardless. Incredible. <laughs> incredible. I, I actively remember the excitement I felt when I saw the trailer for, I think well, the first one that they released in terms of the newer ones was planet earth too. Yeah. That wasn't the 4k and one. I think Yeah, it was I like, I bought it. I don't have many physical DVDs, no, but I, I bought that in 4k. Yeah. Cause it's, it's in, in amongst your collection of uh, hundreds, hundreds of movies. hundreds. Yeah. Um, I just slotted them right in there, but <laughs> yeah, it's like the two, two planet earth ones yeah. just up there. Yeah. Planet <laughs> yeah. Earth two, blue planet two. I like the ice ones. Yeah. I like Frozen Planet. Yeah. I don't know why. I just really like Frozen Planet. Yeah, yeah. I just it's I so like cool. the polar bears. To, and to stuff. be honest, my a lot of my favorite episodes of like say Planet Earth, Blue, yeah, uh, Blue Planet, obviously mm. Ocean, but yeah. Planet Earth, I tend to go more towards the ones in the ocean as well. Yeah, I just find it so incredible. The oceans, there's so much mystery to it as well. Still, but I remember watching that first episode of Planet Earth two, and even the the score. And the, the music in that intro, like I literally, I had goosebumps. Like yeah. I remember the feeling and I was like, this is, in the, and the, it's so beautiful the mm-hmm. way it's shot and it's so high definition. And like the filmmaker in me was just like, loving it. this is amazing. 
How much do you reckon some of the equipment would have cost on a f- on filming? Huge that? amounts. I know they filmed it on red cinema cameras. I know about those. Um, yeah. I don't know exactly. Very expensive. Yeah, I, I don't know the cost off the top of my head, but very expensive. Very expensive. And no doubt, obviously, they've got multiple film crews yeah. all at one time because they have to sit in locations for so long, set up these huts, um, Just, yeah. like camouflage bunkers, all this crazy stuff. And they, they show some of it in the behind the scenes, like how incredible it is, um, the lengths they go to to get some of this footage. And, yeah, the, like obviously the film crews have got mm. – multiple cameras like mics everything you could think of there ready to go because they don't want to you know if you're sat there for weeks on end waiting for something to happen you don't want to miss it when it does (laughs) exactly you do not want to miss it and um yeah and then multiple film crews as well so the the same lot of gear or you know the equivalent gear for whatever they want to do at loads of different locations around the world yeah it's yeah it's huge amount of money it's crazy though uh, do we want to talk about the ones that are particular like um, sporting kind of documentaries? So we've got like uh, The Last Dance, which is the NBA one that I've watched. Yep. But also there's Drive to Survive, which, um, you know, is the F1 one as well. But there's also the golf one and, and the yeah, tennis one. Yeah, that's it. I, I probably have, like I don't have a huge amount of input um, for, like I haven't seen, I started watching the tennis one. Yeah, um, you did. What's hey. the name? Uh, Match Point Match or something point. like that. Yeah, yeah, I started point. watching that, but... It was sort of at a time where I wasn't really. Um, it was just after the ingest. Australian Open, I think, and we were yeah, heavily involved in content in watching it. At the t- yeah, Australian Open was on a lot. Yeah, but aside from that, I wasn't taking in a lot of content, so no. I didn't really stick with it. I remember having it on when I was like at the gym, mm-hmm. like on the treadmill. Yeah, um, and but then I watched like a few episodes that way, and then once I stopped getting on that treadmill, <laughs> yeah, uh, once stopped you watching going the show. To the, <laughs> once you stopped going to the gym, um, so. Yeah, yeah, that was, and don't get me wrong, like it wasn't. I didn't not stick. No with issue it, with I didn't it. Yeah, enjoy it, but I just fell off it because I wasn't watching much content. There, and the last dance is one that I haven't watched, but I I've heard from yeah. a lot of people. It's one of those again. You don't have to be into basketball to no, enjoy this. That's what I was about to bring up. Is um, like I am a little bit. I'd love to watch. Say I watch more games because I do love my Lakers, um, but I don't really watch much of the actual sport myself. But um. The Last Dance is based on the the dream team of the '90s of the Chicago Bulls, um, having you know Scottie Pippen, uh, Michael Jordan, and uh, a few of the others that were like really big at the time, being in one team and like winning all those years in a row. And it kind of just like um, documents the lead up to their last final year, which was called the Last Dance because they knew they were going to leave, they knew Jordan was going to retire, and a few others were getting signed away. And same with the coach; the coach was also going to I think retire afterwards. And um, so they knew it was going to be their last year. So they, they got a film crew out to follow them for the entire year. Yeah. And it basically documents that, but also like the, the lead up, the lead up years of Jordan, the lead up years of getting them all together and a few things that happened afterwards. And it kind of plays out over the course of like, I think 10 episodes. That's the type, see, that's the type of thing that I love though, because even, even in my own work that I'm doing now, the idea of that sort of, capturing content and following a journey like the long-term project it's something that i struggle with because i tend to shoot content and then yeah that's i want to edit it i want to edit it i want to get it out i want to i want to show it like i I just want to keep going keep moving on stuff on someone well that's it like um it's it's definitely harder for me to work with those longer term 
formats and going, okay, well, let's say we'll follow this player because they're hoping to be drafted yeah. into the you know AFL, AFLW. Yeah. Um, like that, are definitely something that I'm interested in, and that's why this sort of um, show to me. Like I think you'd actually really take something out yeah. of it. It's um, it's done by ESPN. Yeah, and obviously it's on Netflix. Um, really good quality there, and so really good opinions on all those players as well. And Jordan, yeah, Jordan. So like, he even admits that he was like not the perfect player. Like he was very strict on his other players because he's like he like he knew he was like the best, right? He was very aware of his own skill level, but he wanted everyone else to be at their best to perform at their best. Otherwise, why are you in the team? So he was quite relentless at training and stuff. And he used to admit that. And there's like opinions from other players and they're like, yeah, he was hard on us, but like, he just wanted us to be there, you know, like, well, I think at the end of the day, you see that in a lot of sports anyway. That, And I think that's why you like to think that characters like that are put into like leadership mm. groups in teams because they drive everyone to be their best or, or their approach is that they want mm. everyone to be at their top level. And obviously, you know, in some situations that can cause a bit of drama people aren't say as dedicated as others or that or have different opinions on what should be done but yeah i think like strong characters like that are what make a great team yeah i agree what are so interesting about the team dynamics as well if you didn't have him you know or the coach that particular coach because he was obviously well ran out as well would they be that dream team exactly you know without having that drive and bringing everyone up to their absolute maximum potential, they probably wouldn't have been there. They wouldn't have been a documentary either. So it was good to get that insight in a lot of their opinions in that in that show. That's it. I think a lot of the time, like people get the best out of other people, right? Mm. So, and the people that you're you surround yourself with can have a huge effect on what you're able to achieve. And that's you know no different. Yeah, for, for pretty much any workplace, but especially you know, professional athletes that have got to be so strict yeah. if they want to be at their absolute top. And to have someone like him with, like, the name that he has, you know, it's got to be a huge inspiration for other team members to be like, yeah, let's get this done. Let's yeah. let's perform and win this. I'd happily watch it again. So yeah, it's, it's, let me know if you do. It's on my list, yeah. Um, do we want to briefly talk about Drive to Survive? I think the biggest part we should probably bring up about that is probably the dramatization. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty, it's it's very obvious once you start watching the sport. Yeah. Um, like say each weekend and you're just watching it, um, you know, the qualifying and, and the whole that thing sort of stuff you're a, watching yeah. it as a, as a fan of the sport and not so much the documentary. It's obvious that they chop and change things, but... Having said that, especially like the first season or two of that show mm. has grown that sport the, yeah. a phenomenal amount, yep. an absolutely crazy amount of growth in terms of like younger generations getting into yep. the sport, females. fans, attendance, yet females in the sport as well. Yep. And it also it connects you to the teams and drivers, right? Like regardless yeah. of whether it's a hundred percent accurate to, to who they are, you still a get a personality. A you get, you learn a personality yeah, and you, you get a connection with that personality and that's what drives the excitement in sport. Yeah. That's if why you don't know a single person or in a team or a single name of someone in a team. It's really hard to get into. 
Yeah, exactly. I think I think documentaries like this, although sometimes, yeah, the most recent seasons have definitely been dramatized just to like have more excitement shown on screen when certain races are happening. Well, and you can be well aware that they're not like that on the day. But I think the fact that you're learning about these people gives you more reason to watch just the regular part of it. That's it. I, I, and I was I was going to say I think the more recent seasons, what stands out to me is that they don't have a strong underlying story. Those first few seasons, there was a strong story of following Daniel Ricciardo yeah. and his decision to change teams, or then when he did change teams, it didn't go well. With what Renault. was happening in that team and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff? Like, although it was covering bits and pieces of what was going on elsewhere, yeah. it had that strong underlying story that it always went back to. Yeah. Whereas the most recent seasons seem to have branched out to smaller stories, but they don't feel as strong. Yeah, I found that too. Like they'd cover a certain thing that is happening for that year, but like it'd only be like one or two episodes, and then it wouldn't get readdressed for another like yeah another yeah. like five episodes if at all. Yeah, and you're like, well, what about that thread that you've kind of highlighted earlier? It definitely felt like the more recent seasons had less flow to them. But yeah. having said that, like I still enjoyed watching them. Still watch. Oh, I'll still watch them every. And, yeah. Um. It every definitely year. like my my dad's always watched the Formula One, and I remember. As a kid, when we moved to Australia, the mm. I, I can't remember why, but the only way he could get access to watching the races wherever it was they were mm. streamed at that time was, I think it. I think the only place our house had like an aerial point was some weird spot in the <laughs> kitchen. So he had this like tiny twenty-inch screen, yeah. screen on it's like, like a, a monitor, really. Like yeah, on like a monitor. table. Yeah, the, and he'd pull it just grab a random chair, stick it in the kitchen, and he'd just be like sat in the kitchen watching the Formula One on the tiniest just sitting there watching screen it. ever. That's and cool. I just remember thinking like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's <laughs> but, a little weird. <laughs> like, yeah, didn't think much of it. It was probably too young. And he's yeah. always, yeah, he's always watched it. And then, so there's sort of been that like, oh, maybe I should give it a go. But then there was no investment because I didn't know any of the drivers. Like, you, know, you recognize a couple of names like Michael Schumacher and all the yeah. big ones. But there's no, yeah, you don't understand who they are and yeah. what they're like and Drive to Survive. Oh, it's just made it so me. accessible. Yeah, and I'm yeah. huge into it now. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. try to watch the races, but here in Australia. It's not going to happen this weekend. A bit ridiculous. 4.30 a.m. or something, yeah. Yeah, I get a bit upset at everyone in the other countries. There'll be like one race where it's at like 1 a.m. It's usually our them, one and they complain. And they're like, oh, this is horrible. This it's, is awful. Well, and I go, be in Australia. In Australia, every other race is at is least at like midnight. 11, 1 a.m. Like you said, this week's at like 3.30, 3.30. 4 a.m. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to watch it. No. No. We've got lives as well that we've got to. Yeah. I mean, I could on, get up on. and watch it, but it's I'm not going to have a good day at work. No. Uh, okay. We'll move into a couple of others because we're definitely slowly running out of time here. I'd say we're quickly running out of time. I think we're getting over it. Uh the two plane ones. We'll talk about those. So MH370, the plane that disappeared, and Pepsi, where's my jet? Now, <laughs> two docos that I Pep- loved. Pepsi, where's my jet? I haven't seen. You haven't seen? Okay. Well, um, but I, I did obviously get it. Like a, I got quite a good rundown from you, and <laughs> my dad also watched it as well. Yeah. And I just can't. It was it, a whole it's, thing. It's It really comes down to. Yeah. The fine, like it's one of those fine print. It's one of those things, fine print things, it? which they didn't put but in no any fine print. fine print. Exactly. But then because there was they didn't think anyone would do it. That's exactly right. But then there was the law part of it being like a reasonable person would 
understand that this was a joke. And that was the whole legal battle that lasted for so long that you could not win a jet by handing in was like 7 million Pepsi points. And the guy went ahead and did it. He was like, there's no fine print. There's nothing yeah. saying that I can't win the jet. The Which is the, fair enough. He's like, why not? Yeah. He's like, I he, want a jet. And so he got a, he worked out this way where it's like, once you get like a thousand points, then you can buy points with other money. Yeah. He worked out a way where he got a financial backer to buy the remaining points, which was like six, yeah, six million, nine hundred thousand points. And it was a certain amount of money. Anyway, he, he he got that fronted up by a financial backer that he knew. So he bought the points. He handed in the points. And then that's when the legal battle happened. They basically ignored him at first. And he obviously took the took it to the courts as well. And then it became this whole ideal of him wanting his Learjet plane or whatever it is <laughs> that he wanted. It's, in, it's incredible, isn't it? And I think it's one of those situations as well where it's like, come on. Like Pepsi, you can't ignore this. Like that's they can't ignore it. But there's a whole thing of they can't even get that particular jet because no. it was military use only. Yep. So there was like that whole angle as well. Well, regardless of whether they could or not, like he can't have a military jet. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, yeah, and he knows that. I know, but like, I what's think he going to do? Put it in his backyard? No, like, I think the whole idea of it was like. It's the principle. I think it was it. the principle of the matter for yeah. him towards the end. Like he obviously was an avid fan of Pepsi regardless. Well, I You'd have to be, right? The situation then comes down to if it is about the principle, then why are you not approaching them and going, I want like an equivalent monetary yeah. value reward for this? Yeah. But I. But at the end of the day, they've they've said he can get a jet. He didn't get the jet. No, I know. He definitely did not get the jet. Yeah. He definitely got, I think, a settlement. And yeah. then I think some other deal that was definitely under the table that wasn't announced. But, yeah, <laughs> something else there. I found it quite interesting because, yeah, we love our Pepsi, obviously, in this household here. And I, I mean, just thought it was a really, got really. Pepsi on the table oh, yeah, right now that we've been drinking. Yeah, I know. I want another one. Um, yeah, I think it's just a really bizarre case. So I found it interesting to listen to. And there was a very similar Simpsons episode that I'll have to bring up here is, um, Bart gets an elephant episode and same thing. He, um, calls up a radio station and answers the question and they're like, you can either get $10,000 or the gag prize of an elephant. And then he, Bart goes, the elephant, I want the elephant. And they're like, no one takes the gag prize. And then he's like, no, the elephant. So he sticks to his guns. And then one day you just hear this like knock at the door and then a car just drive past and they open the door and there's just an elephant standing there. Yeah. The whole episode is him just owning an elephant. But basically that, that episode reminded me about it. And I was like, yeah. oh, cool. I'm going to watch this. Yeah. Simpsons always have something that relates to the real life. Anyway, MH370. This was a wild ride for both of us and it was... I was so involved. Yeah, it was one of those things where I think we just kind of went, oh, let's check this out, like we'll give it... And then... Yeah, because we got added to Netflix and we were like, it's new, check it on. But by the end of the first episode, we were both like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean? The theory is what do you... (laughs) More. And the, the way it sort of went from what I remember was by the end of the episode, it was like, so this is... A theory of what yeah. happened. They let up some facts, and then it and they was built like, a theory based on those facts. But then they were like, but then they were like, but what about this? But what about this theory? And we were like, <laughs> what about it? What do you mean? Tell us more. What do you mean? What do you mean? It flew go south. To, <laughs> go to the next episode, and they were like, this was also a possibility. <sighs> oh no! And then you're there weighing up like, 
in your own mind, you're like, well, which one's more likely? And yeah. like, but then you also know it's one of those that like, I'm not getting an answer to this. The plane hasn't been found. They don't know. They don't know. All I'll these are just know. theories. <laughs> I'm getting so worked up right now about these theories. Yeah. But I'm not going to get an answer to which one's correct because the plane hasn't been found. The plane hasn't been found and they don't know. I was so stressed. I was we like, were both. We were both actively stressed, like <laughs> looking at each other all the time. Like, like what, do shock and, what do you mean? What do you mean? The amount of times we north, said. It went south. It went over this place. It went this place. Well, that's it. Like, And we'd think like they, they'd go through a theory and you'd go. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. And then they'd throw you a piece of information and, and quite literally you and I would both go, what do you mean? <laughs> Hold, what, that, Hold the phone. Oh, Hold stop. the phone. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That was definitely like. I love that. Yeah, I I, lo- I loved the journey that mm. that documentary series took Just like, on. you know, how we've been talking about how like documentaries basically manipulate the data to, you know, formulate an opinion so you take on that opinion. Yes. This one essentially just had, here's some theories, pick one. <laughs> but the thing is, as they were going through each theory, I found myself going, mm. oh, yeah, I reckon this is the one. Yeah, I know. This is the one. They were very convincing, and then they go, but then they had then another theory. The count, they have the counter evidence, yeah. and then another theory, and I go, oh, this is the one. This is it. This is it. This <laughs> I is loved it. it. But I don't know, and we may never know. <laughs> and we will. Ne- I don't think we'll ever know. I don't think we'll ever know. I've, got to, I've got to accept that. It's crazy. And, um, and terrifying. The reason why I love this one so much is not because of that. Like, that's obviously a huge reason is it's because I'm a fan of Lost and Lost <laughs> is a plane crash mystery. There is a, so, a surprising I, amount of Lost that creeps into your life that I didn't know when I first met you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, one of the first things that I remember you going on about was Hawaii and how much you oh, like yeah. Hawaii. <laughs> and there was a day where it clicked and I was like, oh, lost Hawaii. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of connections going on here. And it seems that I don't even know if Shannon realizes how much of his life is based around a connection to this TV series. Yeah, I know. It's, it's wild. I, um, uh, yeah, I went to Hawaii with um, uh, an ex partner of mine and we went over there for a little while and, we hired out a car. We hired out a car just to see like the, um, you know, the north side of the island that's not as built up. And <laughs> most of the time I was seeking out filming locations for Lost. And I'm so glad I did that because it did actually get us off of the beaten path and you did some re- saw some really nice places in, in Hawaii itself. So very glad I did that. But I was like, I'm that much of a fan. I've flown halfway around the world and hired a car just to see where they film this stuff. And yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite shows. But um, I think we should just about wrap up. I think in a sec, we can mention. I'll mention a couple of other ones that I really like. So I really liked um, this. It's one called Trainwreck. Uh, it was Woods. It was on the Woodstock '99 music festival that got really out of hand. And yeah, I've heard um, a little bit about it. It was. Oh, it's wild. It's uh, yeah. There's a lot of reasons why, and they kind of go into like the political space it was in in 99 and kind of the music that they were playing at that Woodstock 99 as well and kind of the the following those bands kind of had and it just cultivated into like one big bonfire of hate essentially and I found it quite interesting it's really worth checking out Trainwreck it's on Netflix and 
Another one I watched uh, about a year or two ago was called Fire, The Greatest Party That Never Happened. And it's about the Fire Festival. I have seen that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. What an absolute um, bogus yeah, <laughs> event that it's was. It's a joke, isn't it? Like the fact that something can or could go that way get to that point where it would promised yeah. so much and delivered so little. Just the fact that um, they wanted this absolutely high-end social influencer style Ibiza party That's in this it. Like tropical huge islands, festival, huge like festivals. Views, <clears throat> attention, social media, no, like like, everything, like go crazy, yeah. all these big names and, and huge promises. And then nothing came together, not a single thing. I mean, it got the attention they probably yeah, but expected, but in the wrong way. Wrong way. But even still, like, obviously, like, all these people got tickets and went. Like, it had a following. People knew about it because they paid all these influencers just to do a post about it as well because they paid money towards it. Very vague posts as well. Very vague posts about this, like, massive party that's going to be happening in this tropical place. And so people got on board and bought tickets out there. And when they got there, there was, um, uh, I'd say, third world Type conditions. Uh, there were these huts. They were flooded because it rained the first night. They were all there. No music acts turned up. No one at all. And, um, yeah, it was not in the location they said it was going to be in. And it kind of follows the people. It follows a few different people that it interviews. It interviews the people that kind of were creating it and the lead up, the filming of the lead up to it. And then also, like, the outcome afterwards and how it was basically a lynch mob of following that guy. Yeah. Because Ja Rule just wiped his hands of it as soon as it happened. Yeah. It's it's one of those things It's like you just don't want to be a person that was involved in no, the it was, creation of that. Yeah. Absolute chaos and really disgusting like what it turned out to become yeah. and how much it took from so many people. Took money. It the took conditions it put, put had them, them in, in as yeah. well. Ridiculous. It turned like Lord of the Flies after like the second night yeah. apparently too. Like it, it, people were getting pretty, pretty agitated and like pretty aggressive. Well, you've got to think about, you know, the emotions and excitement involved with the potential of an event like that and yeah. what you're expecting. And then that it. to be. Then you think of the frustration, you know, say music festival, what you're really excited about. Yeah, yeah. And then there's an issue getting in, mm-hmm. right? A ticketing issue, something like that. You end up stuck for hours trying to sort this out, the stress involved and how it can really put an, an emotional downer on the yeah. excitement. Now, in comparison to what this festival was, a situation like that's nothing, right? You, you'd look at that and go like, oh, this is so frustrating. Like I wanted, I was so excited about this and this has ruined my time. This is on a whole other level oh, yeah. to that. It, you're in a completely there different are, country. There are very few things no that have food been or drink. promised and not only promised to people, but they've paid for it. A lot of money. They've paid a lot of money a for lot it. Of money. And to have it turn out to be pretty much a complete lie, a yep. like complete fabrication. <laughs> I thought it was really good to watch. You'd be very <laughs> upset. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very upset. And that's a lot of people very yeah. upset as well. Very upset. A lot of emotions there. Um, I think I watched that one on Netflix. Either, it's either yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one. So. There's a different version on Amazon Prime, but I watched the Netflix one. Um, it's worth checking out. Fire. F-Y-R-E, not fire, fire. Um, yeah, if you want to just witness complete chaos, chaos? unfold, yeah. definitely a good one. It's definitely good. 
I think that should just wrap up our episode of documentaries. We've been going for an hour and 45 minutes-ish, roughly. Yeah, to be, to be honest, I was expecting my episode to wrap up quickly. Oh, I, really? I thought, I thought it'd be a short one. I didn't know how long this was going to go for. I was like, oh, yeah, we haven't really discussed how we're going to put this one together. And it turns out when we start talking, we can, it can go for a little we while. We can go for a while. This is the longest episode we've ever done of binge lists and is box office hits. Be very, very happy that you've had that one, Ben. Look out, Letitia Thomas. Sheesh. I'm coming for you. Yep, your job's been taken. Um... As always, thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a follow. And if you like to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at BingeList or email us at BingeList and BoxOfficeHits at gmail.com. And as always, I'd like to thank you again, Benjamin, for coming on to this episode and being a special guest. Thank you for having me. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun, actually. I've had a very good time recording this one. So I've had a better time than I expected it would be. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, once you get over the first, like, how is this going to go, a couple of minutes before you record, it's literally fine. Who knows? Maybe if we can find um, another topic that I'm as invested in. Yeah, I'm on board. That isn't Paul Blart Mall Cop. No, I think. Maybe I'll get back on I don't think we can do more than one episode on that, but we could try. (laughs) Well, we haven't done one yet. Oh. Christmas special. Look out. (laughs) Yes, we'll endeavor to find something I think we could maybe talk about. I suppose you could put that up as a Christmas special under the assumption that people will be too busy with their own Christmas plans to listen to it. Well, that's what's going to be our one with the outtakes, I think. (laughs) It's like, oh, you're not going to listen anyway. So here's our outtakes. (laughs) Too easy. Um, And that wraps it up. So thank you so much. Beautiful. See you guys around.